Principal Matters Podcast, episode 311. Hi, friends. This is Will Parker, host of Principal Matters, the school leaders podcast, where each week we bring you inspiring, innovative, and imaginative ideas for your own school leadership. This week, we're going to talk about navigating advocacy and politics as school leaders. And I have with me my special, well, you're not a special guest, Jen, you're a co-host, my co-host. Well, thank you for starting by calling me special. I like that. (laughs) Deputy superintendent from Dublin schools and the author of three great books. And you can find her resources at jenschwanke.com, or you can find my books for school principals and leaders at my website at williamdparker.com. Welcome back, Jen Schwanke. It's always great to talk to you. And, um, I, I want to do a quick celebration because uh, at the top of, well, we're recording this at the beginning of, of September, but um, but I wanted to do a quick shout out because we did a series this summer on revisiting a lot of the content from your book, You're the Principal, Now What? And on August 2nd, the National Association of Elementary School Principals highlighted our episode as the at the top of their newsletter, they highlighted the episode uh, Principal Matters Podcast 304. You're the principal now what revisited part one. And so yeah, I was just so excited. I think I sent that to you that day and just did a happy dance to know that there are going to be people out there who are going to get to listen to that conversation, maybe even outside of this audience. So thank you in a ESP if you're listening in for sharing that out with your listeners. And Jen, I know that um, our voices are being heard by folks here in the U.S. Also, they're being heard by folks outside the U.S. because I have listeners that will reach out to me from um, the other side of the world, Uh, listeners in Australia, sometimes listeners in India, sometimes listeners in South Africa. So those of you that are listening across the globe, thank you for learning together with us as well. And this is going to be a conversation today that may be applicable Um, For those of you that are here across the continental U.S., it may be applicable for those of you that are in a different political context. And and, and I'm I'm a little nervous to have this conversation, Jen, but I I wanted to have a conversation about advocacy and politics because here's what I'm discovering with school leaders. So many of the school leaders that I work with wear lots of different hats. They're managing their schools each day. They're putting out the fires that need to. They're being instructional leaders. They're loving on their communities. They're supporting their kids. And yet at the same time, they're aware of a landscape happening outside of their schools of political discourse that filters its way back in to their schools. I shared this a couple of weeks back in one of the episodes that the National Association of Secondary School Principals, for instance, did a survey this summer and they discovered that 73% of the principals, the 1,000 principals in their survey, admitted that they had either been verbally or physically threatened during the past school year. Yeah, That's just profound. And so when I think about the political discourse that's happening across the U.S., in your state, my state, or across the U.S., I'm troubled because I feel like so many of our leaders are having to manage what's happening in their school while watching this pushing um, tension that seems to constantly be filtering its way in. And so I I wanted to just go there today because I think you and I have both learned a lot in the last couple of years as our own communities have walked through situations too. Um, And so let me, let me start with this question is, as you're speaking to leaders who are trying to navigate really difficult situations to um, 
answer the fears and concerns that their own teachers may have. Um, what are some ideas that come to mind for you in terms of ways to help principals stay focused, um, to be truthful, um, but to not step into onto landmines in this in this current climate that we're in? Well, I think those three those three um, things you just said are a great place to start. <laughs> mm-hmm. But you know, I. I think a lot about something I learned from my own superintendent, Dr. John Mar- John Marshallson, and he works closely with R Factor and, and a gentleman named Tim Kite. And one of the concepts that he reminds me of daily is, where is your 20 square feet? You, where is the area where you actually have influence? Because there are things out there. I'm, I'm, I want everyone to imagine a Venn diagram. There are things out there that really matter. And there are things out there within our control. And the the area of a Venn diagram where those things cross is relatively small. And I'm talking about that in the professional sense. Between the walls of our school, we have to know where our influence and what matters crosses. And I am personally, constantly, relentlessly reminding myself that when I am at school, my job is to care for the young people there instructionally and with their, with their wellness, mentally, socially, emotionally, et cetera, while they're there. And so when I work with teachers who are feeling really anxious about the political climate or about some things that are happening in the world that affect us, I like to say to myself and to teachers, what is it that you can do today that is aligned with your role as a teacher? You know, you you can't necessarily um, call your senator today because you need to teach math today. That's what you need to do right now. And it helps me to stay grounded in that purpose. It also helps me to remember that historically, none of this is new. Historically, whenever a community or society is at unrest, they look to public schools. They want change made in schools because they think if I can get my issue implemented in some way with children, then everything will be fine for the next generation because I will have won. And we have to just remember that that's natural. It's what happens. And we can't let it change what we do or how we think in relation to how we work with kids. That's so wise. And I have a lot of thoughts, but one of the things that, um, and I know when we're speaking to school leaders that they understand the role that we play as neutral parties when it comes to to politics. And, And it's hard to do that sometimes because sometimes you hear things that are being said or being done that um, don't align with the values that you would want your school to be embracing. Um, and sometimes there are ways that people behave that has to be addressed. Um, you know, Jen, when I think about the lessons you and I have learned as school leaders and having hard conversations, for instance, one of the rules that you learn in a hard conversation is to not necessarily address the emotion, but address the behavior. Right. And so for instance, if someone is, if someone is being motivated by a fear or a concern that has them speaking to you in a way that's profanity laced or unkind or being defiant, or like some of these principals who've, who've experienced threats, um, it is appropriate to draw a boundary and to say, you know, this is not an appropriate way for us to have this conversation. I would love to have this conversation again, when we can both have it in a way that's, that's, that's uh, respectful. And so can we schedule a time to do that? And so that, you know, that's just a small example 
of ways that we still have to set boundaries within a climate where people seem to be thinking that there's more permission to uh, to be rude or to be mean. Um, and so, um, so so that's one thought that I have is just the the importance of of keeping strong boundaries in your in your conversations. But but I also want to um, I just want to give a little perspective to principal managers listeners for a second. So I hope you don't mind if I if I do a little will teaching moment. Um, but um, but uh, at the same conference where I at national the National Association of Schools Principals where I heard that data on on principal threats, um, there was also a guest speaker, um, uh, Jeremy Hyman's and Henry Timms wrote a book called uh, New Power: How Anyone Can Persuade, Mobilize, and Succeed in a Chaotic, Connected Age, and that book shares a lot of information about how the age that we live in now is unlike anyone that we've ever lived in before. And, and, and I'm not speaking to anyone who this is a surprise to. I, I ran into a friend last night who's in state politics and he said to me, Will, do you think social media has been better or worse for democracy? And and I just had to smile and look at him and say, I my guess today would be that it's been worse. <laughs> I said, but and he said to me, sometimes more information is not always wise information. And I said, that's a really great way to put it. When you, when I'm talking to people in my communities, when I'm talking to principals, there's this sense that there's something happening here that's so different in the communications that people are having about ideas and politics that feed themselves back into school. But in the book, New Power, one of the examples that they gave it, and I'm just going to share one example from their book, and then I'll share an example that I thought was interesting um, outside this context. But they shared the story of a young girl whose name was Aksa Mahmood, who grew up in a, a moderate Muslim family in Scotland, attended a private school there, um, and yet uh, her family did not realize that she was being radicalized on the internet and, um, until they discovered that she had left the country, gone to Syria, um, and so she had, become, um, she had begun to work um, as, a, um, as a recruiter for ISIS. And so can you imagine the, the horror of that family with this girl who had been radicalized and sent into the situation where her, um, where she's becoming a part of something uh, that is promoting violence across the globe, and then at the same time, on the flip side, you think about someone like Greta Thunberg, who has taken her own platform to rally the world around her ideas of of of, of climate control, and has become a voice for young people, um, and has used that power of social media to try to leverage people's. Uh, intentions and, and their thoughts towards improvement. And so here are two different examples of, of people who um, are leveraging new power, but in, a, but in one way that could be destructive and then another way that can be constructive. And, and Jen, I want, I, I'm just going there for a second as, as, a, as a perspective check, because one of the truths that came out from that conversation on new power was the fact that, and I hate to say it this way, but I'm going to date myself, most of us who are in school leadership are at a mature, I'm going to say that, part of our career. We're, I would say, say it would be safe to say that we're part of old power structures. Right. We're, we're, we're part of power structures that came into place from times that those same structures may no longer completely exist. Now, that doesn't mean that those structures weren't meaningful and can't still be meaningful now. Let me, let me give you an example. You and I were probably both traditionally trained through education um, degrees, um, we're given full internships as student teachers. 
we're, we're given the opportunity to shadow and step into school settings before we actually stepped into the teaching role. And you and I also both know that that's not the traditional pathway any longer for lots of people. We both have know lots of people that are alternatively certified, emergency certified, coming into education, and they're getting their apprenticeships and internships on the job. And so that's the difference between an old structure and a new structure. And the question for leaders, and this is something I'm speaking directly to principal managers, is how do we recognize the positives and the negatives of old and new power structures? And then how do we, how do we learn with wisdom how to, um, how do we, I can't think of a better word than leverage. How do we learn to leverage those structures to the best outcomes for the people that we're serving? And so um, I don't know, Jen, if you want to add any thoughts to that, but those are some things that have just been on my mind lately as I've been thinking about these dynamics that leaders are having to face. Right. And I, I think for me, a to tack on to that a little bit, it helps again to think about where your control is and where your power is. There is real power and there's perceived power. And when faced with a, a challenging situation or an accusation or a threat or um, you know a, an internal crisis, even in the context of your work, it helps to say, okay, do I have any real power and control here? Do I have perceived power and control here? What actions are going to lead to the best outcome? And, you know, sometimes the best action is no action. It's to press pause. It's to walk away. Um, I said that to a friend who called me to, you know, today and said, um, what do I do about this? I, I, I have to act. I have to do something. And I said, no, you don't. You absolutely don't walk away from it, walk the dog, get a good night's sleep, probably don't do anything tomorrow or the next day either. And then, then you will be thinking clearly and you can formulate a response. And so I think this is a time politically and educationally and, and in the work we do that we all need to be very careful and thoughtful, remember who we are and why we're here. Um, don't create crises where they don't exist and don't respond to someone else's, else's crises. It, it's very important that educational leaders and, and teachers remain committed to what we need to do and not let the, the train wobble on the track, so to speak, because more than ever, education is, is being watched and we need to prove to the world and to ourselves that we are here for, for young people and we're not going to be swayed or um, you know changed by noise that's out there. Mm -hmm. There was another study that came out this week too, Jen, and I'll, I'll try to put these links in the, in the show notes, but this was a, a latest, I believe it was a Gallup poll. I'm not looking at it in front of me right now, but the, one of the questions in this polling was asking parent groups, this was groups of parents, um, for their impressions of how much do they trust their schools their local schools, and how many of them would encourage their own children to pursue education as a career? And this was the number that stuck out to me. And I saw this, this just this morning, 37% of the parents surveyed said they would encourage their kids to become teachers. Mm. And that was heart. I was heartbroken when I yeah. looked at that. And, and, and the reasons they gave were the same reasons that you and I would expect. They don't believe that that states have prioritized school funding. They don't believe that the pay and the benefits of teachers are adequate. As they don't believe that the support and the respect that teachers should be receiving um, 
are um, are good because it's so it's so it's so interesting to me, Jen, that that the the communities that we serve they recognize that the people who they value their teachers that they want their kids to have great teachers but they don't want their kids to become teachers because of the, how they're seeing teachers being treated through public policy and through political discourse. And so it, I, I'm, I'm not having this conversation today to be depressing, but I just wanted to have this conversation because I know it's a dynamic that leaders have to face a lot. And one of the things that um, I have some other thoughts I want to add to that, Jen, but um and I can't see you right now because your camera's off. So I can't always read like your expression right now. Um, so jump in anytime, but I, I want to say something about that and feel free to interrupt me as you want. Um, the um, One of the things that I have to keep reminding myself of, and I was just having a conversation with some um, middle level principals this morning, and they were telling me in that circle that um, one of the initiatives that they've really tried to focus on this year is how can we celebrate our kids consistently because here's the truth. We have to be um, informed so that we can make right decisions as potential voters and advocating for our schools and speaking to the needs of our community. But we also have to remind people why schools are amazing places to be in work. And, and so, 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 so I feel like leaders have to have to be able to advocate with one hand, do your, do your civic duty and be informed and, and do your best. But on the other hand, be the champion for your schools so that your communities are raving fans of what's happening with their kids. And they, and to the point where they wish they worked there right. or they would love, or they would love their kid to work there. And I'm not trying to be Pollyannish here, but, um, but I do just want to remind when I talk to leaders who are still leading with incredible motivation and passion and joy, um, they're spending a lot of time turning their gaze back on what is working and what is worth celebrating. And how can I highlight these things so that my community is reminded of the great that's here too. So, so I guess I'm starting to say two things here at the same time, which is one, recognizing the dilemma that we're in, because this is a crisis. Teacher shortage is a crisis. Principals and educators feeling threatened is a crisis political discourse that tries to pit communities against their schools is a crisis. But it's also on the flip side of that, the responsibility that we have to not give up the fight of showing why our schools are great places to have kids. I agree completely. And I, you know, we've talked before on an episode about the time I was accused of toxic positivity. Mm. And I think that term was created as a way to, um, shut positive people up. (laughs) And I, I thought a lot about it and I'm not going to let it shut me up. I think Pollyanna and positivity, you know, you can call it what you want to call it, but we have to be positive. We have to see the good. And that's a choice. I truly believe it's a choice. There's so many hard things facing us. We're trudging uphill. There's no doubt about it. But at the end of the day, if we choose to celebrate what's going well. And if we choose to ask questions carefully of those who are complaining, it really can help. And a quick example, um, I, if I had a dime for every time I've heard a complaint from a parent or community member and uh, about you know school, and I say, did this happen to your child? And they would say, no, 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 I just heard, I just heard it's happening. 
And I would say, we can only talk you and I about your child and your child's experience because so much of the negativity is hearsay and it's not based in fact, and it's not based in um, good intention. It's, it's meant to cause divisiveness. And so I, I remain committed like you are, Will, to seeing the good, doing the good work and lifting up the people who are seeing the good and doing the good. And um, history is repeating itself in a lot of ways, but if history repeats itself again, it will be that the tide will swing back and public educators will have, have regained some trust. That's my goal and that's my hope. Well, I love that. Well, as we wrap up, Jen, I, I wanna just offer a couple of resources to Principal Matters listeners. One is um, one of my resources and then another resource I wanna share from some school leaders that have told me of a resource they're using. Uh, first of all, if Principal Matters listeners are not aware of my second book, Messaging Matters, How School Leaders Can Inspire Teachers, Motivate Students, and Reach Communities, I wrote that while still a practicing administrator with that passion of how can you design your school and your mindset and your practices in a way that is constantly messaging the kinds of values you have, the mission that you have, the outcomes that you want to see, and then harnessing the great stories happening in your school so that your community is aware of those things too. Because so often what we don't remember as leaders is that we see more of our school than anyone else does at times. And we have a responsibility to show others that I call it the other side of the moon analogy, Jen, because when I was a kid, my dad set up a telescope outside our house and he would let us look at the moon and see the craters. And I didn't realize it when I was a kid, but later when I understood science, I realized that no matter how great that telescope was, I could never see the other side of the moon because the earth's its orbit around the earth never allows us to see the right. other side. And some, when I was older, I had a leader that told me one time said, well, leadership is like being able to see the moon, all of the moon. And it's a responsibility because the people you're leading can can usually only see one side of it. Right. And, and that light bulb went off when I became a leader and I realized, oh my gosh, there's a lot of things happening that no one else can see it. I have to help give them that context. Now, if it's a confidential situation, I can't because that's, I have to respect other people's confidentiality, but there is a lot of things that happen every day that aren't confidential, but I hold on to them anyway. And so principal matters listeners, think about the wonderful things that your kids and students and in your communities are experiencing every single day. Who knows about it other than you? And, and so it's a responsibility that we have to capture those moments, to talk about them, to give kudos to the people that are doing them, to set up systems where we can celebrate those things and push them out in social media or newsletters or with families. And it's not toxic to celebrate. It's important for culture building. And of course, if there are really things that need to be addressed that are poisonous or toxic to a culture, then yes, we don't need to pretend they don't exist. That is toxic. Um, they, those need to be addressed um, and confronted with crucial conversations. The second resource I wanted to point out, Jen, is a resource that some friends of mine pointed out to me recently that they're using at their middle school. And I don't have sponsors on this program, so this is not a sponsorship. This is just me sharing um, a resource called Live School, and the website is why liveschool.com. And this middle school uh, that I was team that I was talking to um, this week was telling me that this is a point system where um, they've set up a website. So as their teachers and their staff are discovering kids doing amazing things, 
they set up profiles and they can add points to kids based on teams. And so they've broken their school into teams by color. And every day kids are getting points based on things that they're doing. I mean, and just happy things like kids opening the doors for other kids or kids picking up the balls after recess or students helping another student with their assignment. And so every week they have a running total going of which teams earning the most points. And they said, it has been so much fun to start their school year off with with sixth, seventh and eighth graders competing for good points looking for opportunities to build their their team's points up so that they can celebrate those wins and obviously you know um, provide awards and and celebrations for them throughout the school year too so that's just one example of of a resource that i know of that a school is using um but i wanted to share those two resources jen as we wrap up any any other thoughts you want to add in closing no, I think those are, thank you for sharing those. And I agree, you don't have sponsors on here. So if you're telling your listeners about a resource, they really should look into it. Speaking of which, you always do such a beautiful and, and gracious job telling people about my books, but Solution Tree just um, included you in their recent solutions guide. So that was fun. Yes. Uh, I was, I'm, I'm so glad. Thank you to Solution Tree for lifting up William D. Parker and his incredible work with Principal Matters. I just... I love it when when you get um, you get a shout out to Will because you do such a nice job shouting out to other people. Thanks, Jen. Well, Principal Managers listeners, I just want to encourage you, whatever uh, situation you're stepping into this week, I guarantee it's going to be tinged with something happening in your community or your state or on the federal level where you're fin- where you're you're. you're you're wrestling with the tensions of the of the politics or the discourse that's happening around you. And I just want to encourage you to hold strong to the students and teachers and families that are right there in front of you because they need you to show up every day ready to serve them. They need you to stay um, that person who's measured and calm and cool and collected in the face of, of difficulty. It doesn't mean that you don't exercise your rights and reach out to policymakers and speak up on behalf of what you think is important for your community. Of course, um, outside of school time and using your own email address or your own phone number, because there are some limits depending on where you live on on your your abilities to use school time or, or school emails for those kinds of communications. If you have other questions, I, Jen, I'm a big fan of, of both the National Principals Associations and ESP and NASSP. They provide a lot of feedback for principals on how to do advocacy well in, in, a, in, a, in a way that's both appropriate, but also direct. Um, but Jen, as we wrap up this week, I, I know that we're probably for some folks too getting ready to step into a political um, season if they're not already stepping into one because we're coming up close to, to elections in November. And so I know that as principals are facing this season, face it with courage Uh, with perspective, recognize the new powers and the old power structures that are there, but then recognize the part that you play in demonstrating to people how to live in a very difficult time, but with a focus on what's best for kids. Well, Jen, um, anything else you want to add before we say goodbye? No, thank you. That was a great wrap up. I think people should rewind and listen to that part again. (laughs) Thank you. Well, Principal Matters listeners, we appreciate you taking time to listen and to learn. And until next time, thanks for doing what matters. Thanks, everyone. You can find free resources like this one at my website at williamdparker.com.